Hello everyone, welcome back to Talking in Stations Midweek Update. This is Season 1, Episode 17. This week we're going to be talking about the new, really, newly announced HiSec Wordac changes. So joining me today on the show, as always, I am Artemis Abosa, recently a member of Pandemic Horde. We've got Ron, USMC. Hey guys! He's a member of Test Alliance, Please Ignore, and Silver Suspiria, our other co-host. How's it going, everyone? member of Federation Uprising. Joining us today as guests on the show on camera in the top left-hand corner, we have Commander Aes. Hey, guys. He's a member of the Bastion. We also have I Choose You. Hello. Thank you for having me. A member of the aptly named I Choose You Holding Alliance. We'll be talking a bit more about what that is in a bit. And joining us as well, we have Radimir Johansson. Hello. Another member of Test Alliance. So let's jump right into it, quickly go through some updates as far as NullSec is concerned, keep you guys informed on what's been going on. If you listen to the Sunday show that just happened this week, then you'll know that Initiative has deployed to Hakonan up north. That is in jump range of a bit of, well, if you go one jump over to Ob, it's in jump range of Vale, and it's also in jump range of Tributes. They've been putting some pressure on Northern Coalition and allies up there, or at least starting to. They say they're in it for the long haul, so we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that in the future. Also up north in Pureblind, there's been a lot of action going on, at least as far as sovereignty timers are concerned. If we take a look at the timer board, we can see oh, there are quite a few timers in Pureblind, presumably being created by Triumvirate, who were rumored to be dead, came back, started fighting in Pureblind, lost some members, were rumored to be dead again, and they're backfighting and producing propaganda. So we'll keep an eye on that. If anything explosive happens or if stuff actually starts to change hands, we'll keep you guys advised. Also, as mentioned on the Sunday show, Scourge Not disbanded. A lot of their members went over to Skill Yourself. And they, of course, had a bunch of Sov in Scalding Pass. The majority of that Sov has been eaten up by Whiskey, a member of the Cure, these guys up here in the top left-hand corner of Scalding Pass. But somebody is coming in and started to reinforce that. We'll have to see if that is Skill Yourself themselves, the, the remnants of Scourge in that group, or perhaps a new entrant to the area. Somebody was going to say something when I was talking about uh, Pure Blind. Did somebody have something? I was just wondering if we knew what their intentions were yet, uh, like with the init move and all that. Um... So if I recall correctly, it was either Sister Bliss or who, or sorry, not Sister Bliss, Pando or Dark Shines were on the show. And they Got said it. that their intentions are content as usual, that, you know, keeping the members entertained, they're looking for something difficult to do, um, testing the waters, if you will. I can't remember exactly what they said. They did say they're in it for the long haul. They're not going in here right. looking to mess stuff up underneath a capital or a super capital umbrella because they did not deploy with super caps just they have bridging titans but just regular capitals a bunch of them were moved to hakonan so it's really not nailed down but of course you very rarely see people when they begin a move nail down hey these are all goals because then if you don't reach those goals it's good propaganda for the enemy okay well and oh go ahead yeah, and the other thing was between uh, Fraternity and the Russians. Did you see that post about things are starting to heat up? And that's, you know, I don't, I don't know if they're, the, 
YouTube video they put out was titled Red Menace, but um, you know, I don't know if there's been so any news on that front. Tenerifis, right? Tenerifis yep. statue. And yeah, Scully Tenerifis. Pass. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a pressure cooker waiting to pop, I think. Yeah, it looks like yeah. self timers have been being created on the edge of Immensi, though. Uh, that's you guys, Ron. Ron, have you been toasting Sov? Uh, I, you know, I don't know what you're. Or sorry, about. not Ron. <laughs> toasting Sov and Detrid? No, no, we have not. Mm, likely story. <laughs> and there's a so, BR I just posted uh, in Discord. But you know, there's been a couple of big fights, and you know, remember that they had their big announcement that they were going to join forces. I was very excited for that, not because of either side. But, you know, um, when when we were talking to Scourge a few weeks ago, they were talking about, you know, they really needed something to do, you know, and something to kind of rally around. So I thought that was, you know, kind of exciting. And it's and it's interesting to see this news that they're starting to heat up. Um, they're starting to hit uh, structures and starting to have some good fights and looks kind of fun. Yeah, I would say the resurgence of that community is really important for Eve, I think. Um there's a lot of good action in that time zone, and um, and having a strong Russian contingent is always good. But no, we haven't been over uh, over there toasting anything. So yeah, sure legacy's legacy's position sort of just is settled at the moment, and let um let the Russians and the Chinese do what they want to do. Um, there's no real reason for us to get involved yet. Well, and you can't get involved, right? Because the uh, exactly one place. Um, the nip, nip is still very firmly in place, and we don't see, you know, that we're, I think it's what, three weeks left or something like that, approximately. Ron, you say you have a counter somewhere. Come on now. What's the exact time? Give us down to the second. Where is it counter? Uh, yeah. About 22 and a half days, my friend. Right around in there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to get down to the hours, but it's about 22 and a half days. 22 and a quarter days, you know, that kind of thing. You know, when, whenever we move into the area, when I say we, like when test proper moves in the area, did, have you guys ever seen that image and it's like a meme and it's like of the guy sitting in the pool of water with his feet and like all the fish are in like a huge circle around him. That's like us. When we sit there, when we just moved there to that little north, all the little fish kind of ran away and they're sitting way in the back and just, oh, they're here. We're just going to go over this area. and chill out so we're just sitting there and all the fish are not near us i mean i'm a member of horde so like i feel like i can take credit for all the stuff that happened even before i joined horde and i seem to recall you guys not really doing too well when you deployed up there <laughs> dude i what i loved about you joining horde this was my favorite was the very next day after you joined is you're like hey we need to and i'm like whoa what's this we shit <laughs> You've been there for one day. <laughs> I loved it. I though. mean, you gotta, you gotta keep up with the propaganda. You gotta take advantage of the opportunities given. And all I gotta say, Ron, is recent events have not looked pretty good. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> certainly, it was just a few hundred dreads. Got, just a few hundred dreads. Only a few hundred dreads. All right, already let's, replaced. Leave the past in the past, look towards the future, and CCP has been changing things up in the future. We had a bunch of dev blogs, I think daily dev blogs, since the MER was released. We had the MER, which was gone over on the Sunday show. 
Then we had a security dev blog, a skills on demand dev blog, a word exchanges dev blog, and a 64-bit client dev blog. So let's quickly dive into some of those, uh, some in more detail than other. First and foremost, we had a security dev blog come out for Q1 of 2019, just going over the usual stuff that we see, various numbers for accounts that were banned, what they're focusing on, advice for players to avoid issues with losing access to their account. Anybody have anything that stuck out to them in this particular dev blog? Well, for one, it's, this is really important, and I'm glad CCP keeps harping on this because it's really important to keep it fresh in everybody's mind that this is not a one-time fix and then all of your problems will go away. Security around your account, security around botting, and other things that they're working on is a forever process. So I like the constant cadence of, hey, here's these tools that are available to you. Here's your best practices. Here's you know, showing that CCP is actively working to keep you secure. I, I think the communication has been good. I can kind of chime in on that too, because I kind of have dealt firsthand with the the hacking of accounts i sometimes go on frenzies where i buy a lot of characters off the character bazaar and um, a lot of the accounts that are sold to me are hacked and and you can kind of tell when one account uh, has signs of being hacked and so i always uh, send a support ticket to ccp right away being like look i just sent this to this guy i don't know if he's actually going to transfer the character via plex or not but i'd say that in the last month um, at least 50 to 60% of the accounts that I've tried to buy have been uh, hacks. I never get the character. I always get my ISK refunded, but it, it's an issue that's very, very live and that CCP has to deal with regularly. Wow, that's a lot. Wow. So when, when you say there are signs that it's been hacked, like what do you mean? What, what, what kind of signs do you see? Well, like for example... They just don't it right away or... No, like a few weeks ago, I actually caught one character from Test that um, seemed to have been, it was suspicious. There's a number of things you can look at, but one of the things is the guy's been in the same court for 2,000 days, and all of a sudden he comes in and decides, I'm selling my account. And so those, yeah. like, that's what I know, one of the things I noticed with the uh, the Test one. The other thing is, like, they they sell for much lower than extraction cost, which is something that when they want to sell really, really quickly or that they have weird screenshots that they take with your fo their phones. And there's, there's a variety of things, but I guess the point is it's very, very live on the Character Bazaar. So you know, I also we, think one of the things to note here is the numbers on here. If you think about the size of the security team, they're doing a lot per day to hit these numbers. Like this is this is pretty substantial numbers. Like, um, yeah, four thousand one hundred accounts banned for botting. That's it's a lot of work. You're right. It's a lot. You know, and re remember a couple of months ago, I think it was two or three months ago, we got into a big discussion about this in uh, the TIS Discord, and you know, someone said exactly, um, you know, what I choose you said, which was, you know. All of the sudden, and this was around this, the, the kind of uh, holiday, right? This is when all those things were happening, that there were a lot of uh, characters for sale. And, you know, and, and he, he had like this list, you know, and it was that they were selling, you know, within 24 hours, um, that it was below injector, you know, cost. And, you know, and, and he was saying as well that, you know, there was just a huge spike 
you know, in hacked uh, hacked accounts, you know, and I remember when um, I choose you found that test guy, and you know, sure enough, uh, two-factor authentication, you know, and we had a big thing on our forums that as soon as you logged in and it was big and red said, hey, everybody needs to enable two-factor authentication every time. So, you know, hopefully that kind of stuck around. All right. Well, that's some definitely good advice. Enable two-factor authentication. It's extremely important. I've done it. Everybody else should do it. It's just what you need to do in order to keep your account safe because we all like, like this game. And as much as sometimes you hate it, you're always going to want to come back to it and you need a character to come back to. And two-factor, other news, oh, do that on your email as well because a lot of these hacked accounts, they hack your email. They get access to your Gmail account. Indeed. That's right. You can two-factor your email as well. Okay, so the next dev blog on the chopping block that CCP released is Skills on Demand. And that title is not what it sounds like. I thought it was going to be significantly worse when I first read the title. But looking into it, if you read what's actually happening, uh, this screws over a very small portion of people who are investing in seeding markets with skill books. But apart from that, it's basically if a new player joins the game, um, it simplifies things for them as far as getting skills are concerned. They don't have to learn what the market is or how to work it or make sure they're in the right system to buy the skill book. You can just buy skills directly from the character sheet at a markup, right? So there is still a margin there where players can uh, seed markets, make some profit off of buying skill books, and it's going to be better for the players to use the market to buy their skill books. But it makes it simpler if you're lazy like me and you don't want to have to travel five, six jumps to get your skill book from wherever you are, you can just pay a little bit of extra risk, even if you're not where you need to be. So that is a new update. Anybody have any thoughts on this? I know, Ron, you were talking to me before the show about how you know some people who are pretty angry about it. You know, um, I, I love this. You know, I am a huge, like, I, I always you know, I'm a fan of keeping Eve, like all this, you know, edge lordy, and yeah, and we should be, you know, super, you know, violent and crazy. But we have a thing, you know, so in tests, and I'm sure all alliances and corporations have this, but like when people join for three months, you know, we consider them a new bro. And new bros, you cannot mess with. Like that is, you know, one of our core sort of values that you just can't mess with new bros. And if they have a question, you answer that question. You don't. So what I like about this is CCP is kind of taking this new bro road, which is, you know, people that are brand new in the game, they don't need to start getting mixed up with all of the market, you know, PVP and, and all the markups and all that. Like make that first couple of months for them as easy and as seamless as possible because they have a lot of other shit that they have to worry about. So I love this core skills, just being able to buy it, not having to mess with it. I, I think it's beautiful. Perfect. Now, is it just and core skills or is it all skills? I, I didn't read all the way. Through. It is just the skills which are currently seeded by NPCs, right? So precursor skills, skill books, which are through LP stores and other skills, which aren't seeded, by, at a base price by CCP, by NPCs, those are the ones which you can buy via the skill, by the character sheet. Like precursor skills, uh, specialization skills you get through LP stores, those are all still purely on the market. You have to buy those through those means. Got it. That's good. No, I think it's good. 
It's the same. It also, mm-hmm. it helps the new bro get up to speed quicker. Like, uh, you know, my, my corp is flying caracals tonight. Well, I can only fly thorax, but I have a skill injector. If I just had the skill book, I could come out with you tonight. Boom. I, I love it. It's perfect. All right. One final thing to quickly go over before we get into the meat of today's episode is the 64-bit client and DirectX 12. TCP released an update on this, basically saying, hey, guys, we know that we said it was coming in winter of 2019, but we're actually 64-bit client coming in Q2 of 2019. So be on the lookout for that. I am definitely pumped. It's going to be fantastic. going to help. It should if I explain properly to me, I'm not a tech guy, but it should help my multi-boxing a bit. We'll, we'll have to see. Certainly if you're in those massive tie-dye fights, the extra RAM that is available to you by using a 64-bit client should help. Well, but it's at least you can massively. Leave, yeah, it'll help you leave brackets on. It'll help you leave sound on. You know how you turn all this stuff off and things get better? It's because you're running out of memory in your client. So mm-hmm. it'll help those client-level crashes that happens when there's a lot of things on your screen. And and that's a, a large majority of what happens nowadays. And in large fights, you know, tie-dye kind of keeps the server fairly stable. Some may argue not, but fairly it's good. It's very often clients that are crashing, and this should help with that. Yep, and this is actually this actually addresses one of the number one reasons that clients are crashing in those fights is that they're hitting that 4 gigabyte. So, okay, I'm going to go tech for a little bit here. No, definitely, because you're right on that. 32-bit programs have a maximum limit of RAM usage of four gigs of RAM. That means that is the absolute most that it will ever load into your RAM. So if you have, like me, 64 gigs of RAM, you're not using all 64 gigs, you're using four. Under this, you're now able to unlock all of that. So effectively speaking, you're not gonna, when when the program hits that four gigs, oftentimes it's just crashing out because it's not able to get the stuff that it needs in time, and it'll time you out and make it feel like you the server just disconnected you but that's actually not the case it's your computer that just flipped the switch and said i can't handle this so this change uh, i'm not going to give you guys the number for how many gigabytes of ram 64-bit can use because i guarantee wherever you live the amount of ram chips that exist that can possibly fit in the entire building that you're in does not constitute the number of gigabytes of ram that you could possibly get uh using a 64-bit client so it's actually really kind of exciting it's very uh, exciting ccp is i also have a 16 gigabyte ram chip on my graphics card so i'm pretty pumped about this change your graphics card will be getting a lot more work put through it as well because ccp is looking mm-hmm. after the 64-bit client to provide support for DirectX 12 so that'll be nice. We're going to get some hopefully better visuals, updated visuals, continue to make Eve look absolutely fantastic. And with that, if you're still using DirectX 9 for some strange reason, uh, you're going to be losing support for that, I'm sorry to say. But it's just things need to move forward. Eve needs to look better and better to continue to attract new players and frankly continue to uh be awe-inspiring for existing players so that's something to look forward to once again that's happening after the 64-bit client so first things first 64-bit client q2 2019 then directx 12 support and directx 9 going away so So, just something fun with directx 12 and 64-bit client something you can do is you could stream your you, your Eve client onto your like 4K television, 
and have a little wireless keyboard, a little wireless mouse and play, you know, or on a projector or something. And just, you know, I'm, I'm expecting a lot of really fun kind of pictures and some interesting things uh, when those two hit. Yes, it could be like on screen. <laughs> You're going to have to get freaking a pair of binoculars in order to read your UI, though. <laughs> Yeah. Now, the, well, the other thing here is those that are still using DirectX 9, odds are you probably haven't upgraded your graphics card in the last decade. So it's probably time for them to make the upgrade to something newer. Yeah, and we don't even really think of you as people. So it's <laughs> time to step up to the plate. Uh, you know, we live in a society. Come on, get with the program. I mean, the practical implications to both of those, though, is like, you know, a lot of people complain in big fights that the performance seems inconsistent. Why do some people disconnect and others don't? And that's mostly your client. You know, like, my, it's just random. Like, all our clients are pushed to the max. Mine's going to crap out. Yours will still hang on. Then it'll crap out 10 minutes later. That's what's really happening most of the time. So more mm -hmm. consistency, better technology, it's going to be much better. Now, one of the other exciting things that they mention here and I think a lot of people read right past it. Direct X ray tracing. I don't know if you, I don't know how much you guys know about this, but it is going to make this game that much more beautiful. Like if you guys want to see is... exactly what it is, there's stuff on YouTube about it. It is phenomenal technology, uh, real time uh, light ray tracing as it bounces off reflective surface. It's... Don't believe the hype, Artemis. Don't believe it. It's don't worth believe buying a new graphics card, guys. <laughs> don't believe the hype. Don't believe it. Hmm. It looks interesting. I'm not yeah. sure if my computer could handle it. In any case, yeah, let's, you're going to need start. the RTX card to to run it. Um, but yeah. it is one very, of the new very 2080s or something like that. But ray tracing, all it is is it's actually tracing the light as it reflects from items rather than rendering the item itself, which is what we do now. Mm -hmm. So it's more realistic. Oh. Yeah, so if you have a room full of like paint texture and you put a light source in the middle, what ray tracing does is it traces the light as it bounces off of the walls, right? All, off of that render, instead of rendering the light on top of um, you know, the walls. So that's what ray tracing is. It, it's, it's very, very cool, but you know, it's... Uh, you know, hocus pocus. So <laughs> I, I, I do this on my stream, but there's also the in-game camera that I, I think 99% of people have forgotten exists. It was one of the announcements at Vegas last year. And if you combine ray tracing and all of these new updates to the, to the visuals, I think that you're going to get some really, really great player-made visual content that, is going to be cinematic grade at this point. It's going to be it's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to this so much. All right. Well, I tell you what, I am most looking forward to out of the recently announced changes, and that is the War Deck changes. So there, there's a lot in this dev blog. You really, you should read through it in its entirety because all this stuff is coming later. I'm sure as the stuff draws closer, some details will be fleshed out. But just a quick overview. Back in December, of course, we had the Wardeck changes, which were you have to be, in order to be Wardeck, you must be Wardeck eligible. It's a new attribute for corporations and alliances. And in order to be eligible, you just have to own a structure somewhere in space. So that could be a pause, it could be a POCO, it could be an upwell structure. Uh, any of those will make you Wardeck eligible, and then you can be Wardeck. 
moving forward in March. They're looking to close some bug fixes, bug fixes and loopholes, which has been plaguing our brothers in Test Alliance. Please ignore and exploited by uh, not exploited utilized to the fullest extent by i2u and pandemic horde and their war over the perimeter trade hub then in april we're starting to see the changes going forward of ccp actually adjusting the way high sec wars take place so something which has been requested for years is the removal of neutral assistance and that is both neutral links when you're talking about wars and neutral logi anywhere in high sec if you use remote assistance like logi in high sec and you're not in a, a war scenario you're not in their corp you're going to go criminal and get concord opened so that is a phenomenal change i am incredibly excited about that and moving into may something even more exciting our war headquarters and some other adjustments there but let's let's start with because we've got all the pieces here to talk about it really in depth the war loopholes and the bug fixes who can give us an overview on that ramadir how about you Radomir? Gosh darn it. Oh, sorry, I thought you, I thought you said Ron Madeer there. I, was like, <laughs> I, totally, like, I totally did. Ron, my dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh that was a good one. Um, yeah, so it definitely seems like an interesting batch of fixes. Um, as you mentioned, we've been uh, dealing with the receiving end of, um, of IHU's, um creative use of the mechanics, shall we say? Thank you. <laughs> yeah we'll go with creative use that's diplomatic isn't it um and uh it fixes i think most of them there's still a few few kinks i think we would like to see ironed out but i think it, it stops a lot of the shenanigans and just keeps things a lot more straightforward um i mean as a side there's obviously other people in the game who use war decks on occasion <laughs> although i think we're definitely the main the the main culprits at the moment um, and certainly other corporations and players who having this getting this done to them would be uh, very confused. So tying this these loose ends up, I think, is is good progress towards getting the war deck mechanic to to where it should be. And I choose you when you and I were harassing each other on Reddit. You were talking about some of these have been used against you for years, right? Oh, absolutely. I, like, and and I think. Uh, um, Radimir said that this is a step in the right direction. I totally agree with that. It is a step in the right direction. But if Radimir thinks there's not other tricks out there, he's in for a bad surprise. I'm, like it's it's sad how many loopholes there are in HiSec. Um, I'm happy they're getting fixed. I've been asking for these to get fixed for years, and and just I guess it all depends where CCP puts it atten its attention. Right now. I think it's got like all of Team 5.0 working on these changes. So I want to take advantage as much as I can of Team 5.0 trying to fix these because I, I don't think like, like these these loopholes aren't what we play EVE for. I mean, I, I kind of play EVE for these loopholes to a certain extent because I enjoy them. I enjoy the the effects it can have. It, it is fun. It, it, it requires some creativity, but I can understand being on the other side of it. I was on the other side of these tricks and and several others that CCP have yet to to fix or even like genuinely address or even acknowledge. Yeah, I mean, you gotta, I gotta, gotta give credit to CCP. This is an immensely complicated system, right? Uh, tweaking one thing has downstream implications all the way down to like various other things. So the fact that they need all of 5.0 to like really analyze 
everything they're doing and that they're taking this slow iterative approach to correcting them really sort of speaks to how complicated it must be to like think of all of the impact of change, taking a, making a, a link ship, take a criminal timer for linking a neutral. Like that can't be that simple to just change and then everything's fixed. Right. So I can, it's a immense amount of work. Well, it's like it's like any system that we the the player base get given. You can guarantee we're going to find a way to break it, absolutely without a shadow of a doubt. Doesn't matter what they've introduced recently, we've broken it, and it's because people are you know we're 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 a creative bunch of players. And as actually you said, he's he spent you know two years um, having these bugs exploited, and I think it's safe to say that um, against him. And now he went well; they're not fixed, and CCB doesn't see it as a problem, so. Oh, I, I'll show you something right now if you want me to link it. But in October, I knew that CCP was getting involved in um, in in high sec changes, and I sent them a nice little message saying, like, by the way, guys, I'm I'm pretty uh, pretty knowledgeable in this high sec stuff. I'd be very pleased to give you guys a hand if you have any questions or anything. I just put it in the broadcast channel, and and their response was essentially, thanks, but no thanks, we have the CSM for that. And so I, I genuinely tried to get these fixed several times and CCP just wasn't interested in my side of the thing. So um, I'm happy they're they're now looking into it and putting some serious effort into fixing them. Yeah, I'd be I a little bit careful about taking that stuff personally, right? I mean, it is... I, oh, I don't, I don't take it personally. And that's not a question of being personal. It's a, I think it's something that's good for the game that's happening now. I think maybe part of the difference in why they listened this time was the variety of data they got rather than it coming from, you know, just you maybe who was reporting it because everybody else, you know, all the the mercenaries that were going were were using the mechanics previously. They now have several sources providing reports and bug reports and how these things actually work properly. And when you start to get that momentum, plus they're looking at the mechanics anyway. Yeah, there's been hype about it I mean, for a while, and you're right. Now that there's all this activity, there's so many more data points now to look at, right? So much more activity to correlate. Let, let's let's get down to the brass tacks here, right? There's a fight over the perimeter trade hub. This fight is very much defined by the utilization of these particular bugs, which are being fixed. Coming, the fix is coming in March. I choose you, Radimir. How is this going to change the battle for the perimeter trade hub? I'm happy to chime in on that. Um, these, so there, there's two loopholes, as CCP calls them, that were fixed. The the first one is the um, the what do they call it? The, the head, head fic. That that loophole, as they say, only became available with the last patch. So it's something that I saw CCP was saying, well, we want to get rid of Wardex if you don't have a structure. And so I was like, well, that's interesting. That means I can cancel Wardex as I want, as long as I un- anchor a structure. And so, so that's something relatively new. I think test has been around for much more, or for much earlier than, than what that trick kind of became available. I think that might've been one or two months ago and they've been around for four or even five now. Um, so that fix, I, I, I do think it will make um, test's life less miserable, but <laughs> I don't, I don't think that it it changes the um, where things are because prior to this fix or prior to the availability of this trick, 
parties were still fighting in high sec. And if we look at the second one, the war inversion, war inversion trick, that's one that I kind of just took out of the box uh, a month or two ago again. So this was, these are two pretty new um, things that came to the eyes of test. I kind of knew about the war inversion fix for, for months now or for, for some time. And so I, 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 maybe test has another point of view. I think they're, they're good changes in the right direction. I think they will make life less, less miserable, but I don't think that this is some sort of breakthrough, that it's it's the end of, of the fighting in HiSec. What's the war inversion trick? I'm not familiar with that oh, one. Oh, Jesus Christ. Come on. High-level guys <laughs> don't care about <laughs> HiSec, okay? What the hell does that mean? Um, so so the, the way it works is that, uh, let's say, test war decks a corporation. Well, that corporation is in a defensive war, and it can't really cancel a war or anything. Um, the idea of inverting the war is to become the aggressor in the war. And so that corporation joins an alliance that has declared a war against test. By joining that corporation, the test versus Asbel war is superseded by the alliance versus test war. And then the corp can exit the alliance and the war can be dropped. Gotcha. Yeah, that's pretty big. I mean, I, I don't think it's. You. I don't think it's fair, fair to say that we've had a miserable time with this. I know our pilots have been having, having an absolute blast with it, with the content that's provided, and Mike Heapstar and various other structures will happily eat your shacks all day long. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's, I mean, certainly closing. I mean, the 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 one that appeared with a recent patch with the the structure drop and an anchoring one that was one that we spotted you doing quite quickly, and we had to. We devised methods of combating it, but it just they just weren't practical. There's just not really not much you can do without having to move forty or fifty characters through another corporation every time. Um and you know, getting that fixed is, is great. You know, we um we chatted to people, shall we say, and um the general the impression we got was that the CCP knew that that was a possibility. Um, but they were under so much pressure to make changes to Wardex system that it was rolled out. Yeah, I, you know, uh, like, well, f so first, so I would say that, you know, we have a lot of people, we have a lot of dinosaurs to satisfy. And, you know, these fights in HiSec are fun, you know, for these guys. A lot of these guys are mining like freaking mining and ratting all the time. And now, you know, we have a keep star. Hey, put your jump clones in there. You know, you can jump up here, you can fight. And then, you know, what we've seen over the past couple of months are people are just moving entire sets of characters up, you know, so, cause it's a constant stream of, of high sec fighting. So that's fun. Um, I would say, you know, my opinion on these two, you know, I, you know, I said it this morning during the, the kind of the Matterall's coffee talk, which is, you know, I think it's genius. Um, I think it's genius because what we want is we just want it to be, we want to have a clear set of rules and we don't care if we win or lose. We don't, we don't give a shit. Like we can go uh, and fight like... every day and lose. Your Good. wallet certainly cares if you win or lose. You you win. I can you assure you, our wallet is not bothered. Our oh, wallet is absolutely not right. bothered. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can see the wallet. 
not bothered. <laughs> but you know, but but the thing is, is it's content, right? And like, if I said to you, you know, hey man, you can get in a fight tonight, but you know, you're gonna get SRP, but you're gonna lose five percent of the ship that you're flying. Would you do that, right? Most of the time, people say, yeah, like I'll I'll do that, you know. And we changed the SRP for high sec now, so it's a hundred percent. So no matter what they lose, they get it all back. So for them, it's really about content and it's about enjoying themselves, you know, and um, one of the kind of arguments in the beginning was, oh, hey, we don't want to change SRP because people will get more carefree and they'll just, you know, but no, it, it hasn't been the case. People have just been enjoying it more and getting in more fights. So that is, for us, it's really just like the Northern hunting caves or something for a hunting lodge for us. It's a lot of fun, but you know, I think these two fixes are great because what we're getting down to is what war decks are meant to be, right? So uh, I choose you, right? He, you know, is a market guy. He's got money. So he can hire someone. He can contract a mercenary. He can contract an alliance and have that sort of power, you know, with him without having to deal with a huge alliance. And I and having a war deck system that enables that cleanly um, is what I would really like, right? Because, you know, what does suck, right, is forming for these fights or doing these fights, and it's some silly mechanic that keeps it. That is what sucks. It's not the actual fights. The fights are awesome, but yeah. the little mechanics and the silliness, ugh. For the most yeah. part, it doesn't. It just puts off the inevitable. I mean, we're at something like nearly 60 of the structures destroyed so far and rising, so it's it slows us down, but it's not really stopping it. So let's talk about some of these silly mechanics that are changing in the future. In addition to those bugs being removed, a month later in April, the removing neutral assistance. So this specifically is remote repairs, things like remote SIBOs, remote tracking computers, things like that. If you're not in the corporation or the alliance with the person, you can't use them when we're talking about conflict is concerned. You're going to get concrete token for it. And of course, the safety system will prevent it if your safety is green or yellow. We're also looking at links, and the one caveat here is that it seems that links are a bit of a tricky situation when it comes to performance. So because it is such a big deal in these fights over things revolving around war decks, if you're using links in a fleet with somebody in a war deck, then you get concordokened. But if it's just having to do with like duels and limited engagement timers, you're not going to get concordokened, or at least it, it still will apply to you. So... Allow me to rephrase that because I, I misspoke a bit. The way that links work is that if you're in a fleet with someone in your corporation or alliance, they will receive links. And they will be able to use those links to fight somebody they're in a war deck with. If you're in a fleet with somebody not in your corporation or alliance in high sec, they won't receive links. So this prevents the use of neutral links. It does not prevent the use of links when you're talking about duels. Because if you're in a corporation or alliance with somebody and you are in a fleet with them, you'll, they'll still get the links and they can duel someone so they can fight someone with links and that person they're fighting can't attack the links. So that's still a bit of a workaround. We'll see some high-sec trade hub shenanigans going on there. But as far as Wardex are concerned, that particular aspect is solved. I, I personally think this is a 
bad change, the way they're changing it. I think neutral links are bad. I don't think you should have a pilot that can't be attacked or touched. I understand why CCP don't want neutral like like remote reps because you undock from Jira. And I did this when I was first starting out. I saw, oh, that's a juicy target. My Vexer can kill him. And I start trying to kill someone. And sure enough, like six other guys go yellow and I'm dead in 30 seconds. Um, so I can understand why you don't want to be high, have high seckers be surprised by neutral links. But I think there, this change is made in view with a very particular circumstance, and it ignores a, a lot of the things that happen in HiSec. For example, before I was involved with Horde, there was there's a coalition in HiSec of all these small groups that work completely independently, but if someone messes with one of them, they all come together and they gang up and they try to beat up that bully. And I think that's a cool concept of having various various alliances, various corporations kind of form a coalition in HiSec to defend themselves. And to force people to be in the same alliance in order to repair yourself, I think isn't good for that. I think instead, if CCP want to avoid surprise uh, from neutral links or neutral logic, just make sure that you can rep someone if they're involved in a war against the same person you're aggressing. So, for yeah, example, just say that like, it, can't you just yeah. make it so that they're part of the same war deck, right? You're or, an or ally, this, or... yeah. And I think in that case, it would be great because in that case, you can have like everyone that's on grid knows that this person is my enemy and that person's my enemy. The two enemies can should be able to rep themselves without a problem. My, I like that answer much better because you could just be part of the same war deck. And if you want to fight, you know, that that's the whole point of enlisting an ally in the war, like that whole mechanic. Yeah. Yeah, I like that better. Yeah, I soundly refute that. Um, I disagree with that on several levels. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> so <laughs> I'm curious. It's a bit, really quick but before you, we go down this rabbit hole, I think we may be, I may have misspoken again. So apologize for that. But the way that links work is if a person has these three, which are shown on screen, there are three uh, criteria. So the person must be involved in a war, uh, including normal wars or faction warfare. They must not share a corporate alliance uh, with the assister. So I don't, the, the terminology here is vague. I'm not quite sure how it would work if you're talking about two parties who are in the same war, like one person is war decked and then they get assistance from another party. I'm not quite sure how that would work. And then the person has to be engaged in PvP. So first and foremost, that engaged in PvP thing for anybody who's concerned about running high-sec incursions and getting links that way, that'll still work because you're not engaged in PvP. So don't worry about that. But as far as how it works with assists, like people being involved in the same war or two people having a war against the same group, but they're two aggressive wars and not two people being the defender and assisting each other. I'm not sure how that would work either. So does this affect also people who are trying to vigilante people getting ganked, like repping free freighters and stuff? Like how, Perhaps. How to, yeah, yeah, right. Because they would be involved in combat. See, I don't, yeah, I don't it is a. It's a like clear log off timer. It's not an aggression timer. So if somebody is getting their freighter ganked and you happen to be in fleet with them, but you're not in their corporation or involved as an assister in their war, you wouldn't be able, or rather they wouldn't receive the links that you give. 
What about reps? Like then you just get concorded? Yes. I don't like that. I think that's a big part of the game that people love. People love mm-hmm. to try and be the hero, right? I'm going to rep you and save you from these bad, evil gankers. Then you get concorded for that? Ugh. I think needs more work. Well, you know, people abuse the hell out of this. And this is why yeah. we can't have nice things, right? <laughs> this so is cool. why we have laws <laughs> and this is the goddamn society, all right? <laughs> uh, I, I kind of disagree with that. I think good. the mechanic that I offered would, would allow for that. If, if you're involved in, let's say uh, you've got, you guys have PPD and test. If you guys both war deck horde, and you're fighting Horde, Horde sees both Test and PPD that are on grid as war targets, they should be able to rep themselves when they're fighting Horde specifically. I don't yeah. see... Yeah, I'm not sure how that would work. Yeah, it gets complicated. How how would the system know yeah. you're fighting Test or Horde specifically? Yes, this, yeah. this isn't a problem we're looking into ourselves for that obvious reason that you yep. brought up. Um, and we're sort of leaning on the fence. I, it would make logical sense for, in that situation, PPD and Tess to be able to cross rep. We're both at war with the same person. I think what needs to happen potentially then is, you see, if a defender joins the war, then they're on the same side, so they but, can but I don't even cross rep. So it's works. Uh, if you look for, you can't join a war if you can't assist on a war if you're already involved in a war with someone else. That's a high sec mechanic. It, I don't know why it doesn't make too much sense, but. If you have, like, if Pirate has a war against Goons and Goons war deck my structure, I can't, a Pirate can't assist me against Goons because they already have a war. So I, I don't think it's as simple as saying you can join as an assist on a war because sometimes you just can't join as an assist on war. Yeah. So I think it's important to note that this fixed, this is, despite the fact that it's going to be a little annoying for, you know, the same reasons that it was annoying in the past. It's fixing the problem that existed before where a five-man group would war deck a hundred-man group and the hundred-man group would bring 15 people out to kill the five guys. All of a sudden, they've got 15 Lodgy with them that came out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think that's track really... everyone in the game in a war when it's supposed to be between two groups. Now, I totally agree. I think that there should be some way to do that. But at the same time, mechanically speaking, I'm sure the game you know sections it off as these two are in this war, these two are in this war. They are completely unrelated, regardless of the fact that these groups are both attacking the same group. Um, it adds a whole bunch of if-then statements to the mix, which is what they were trying to get away with or getting a- completely away from when they announced uh, the Crime Watch changes uh, 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, it used to be just just giant if-then set of statements. You know, If this person attacked this person, they would get a timer from this person because they were repping this person, and it just created this mess of code. And, and that's, this is you know, the if, simple way to fix this. If you're going to get involved in a war, right? If you're going to give Lachi, you're going to give links, you know, you're going to do this. You are stepping up to the plate and, you know, if you don't belong to that war, yeah, you should get concorded. Like, adios muchachos. Like, if you want to play in those games, then, you know, wear a jersey. You know, it's like playing basketball and like four people show up and they're not wearing jerseys, but they're making baskets for one team. Like, come on, like, just wear a jersey. Mm -hmm get with it, pay the bills, whatever you got to do. And, you know, the other thing 
with links. What I like about that, and you know, um, and we've all talked about this, and and you know, and yeah, it wasn't high up on the list, but it's great that they're fixing it because right now with the meta being you know super feroxes, right? The the thing about feroxes are feroxes have no range. Uh, limitation, right? If, uh, you know, they're in arty maelstroms, warp to zero, use javelin. If they're in auto cannon maelstroms, warp to 100. And links really helps with that, right? Because the links enable that top, you know, 25 to 30% of that range for the Ferox to be able to do long range. So I say Concord everything, like, let's do it. Well, what, what if you did it this way? Because like, the, the problem with this is wearing a jersey, that only applies then in high sec, right? Outside of high sec, you could third party all you want. So is it just in mm -hmm. high sec you want the jersey? Well, yeah, but you could also be attacked out in, out of, outside of high right. sec. Right? So if what you're I'm in low is, sec and providing those reps, you can be attacked. Right. So if you come in and rep somebody who's in combat, can't you just inherit their combat timer and be eligible to be shot? Well, that's the way it works right now is you become a suspect, but you can still do it. But it's for new players or for players who, like Commander A's mentioned, like you get a decked by five-man corp, but it's actually 20 dudes. It, it, it fixes that problem. I think the one, I agree, the best counterpoint to this change is the people trying to prevent freighters from getting ganked. The dudes who sit around on gates in Yuidama with a bunch of Ospreys or whatever and try and save people. That gameplay is going away. They can't do that anymore. I think that's unfortunate. I don't know if that's, worth that's very it. true. Uh, well, they could always do it that you have to be an aggressor and receiving reps, right? Like a freighter isn't necessarily aggressing. I don't yeah, think that's sort of what I'm getting at. Instead like of if, a capsuleer. If you rep somebody actively shooting something that's different than... Swap it, swap it to a uh, weapons timer because freighters right. are never going to yeah. get a weapons timer. But I mean, I, I think it's quite sensible. I mean, it, it always has baffled me that you can gank someone and get concorded, but someone sitting repping you won't someone else joining in in a fight and that can't be touched in response. I know um, certainly in the fights we've had recently, we've swapped nearly exclusively to neutral links after, you know, Horde did it for a long time and as the fight's great, we just couldn't maintain the loss of vultures. <laughs> to be honest. Um, and yeah, it's... It'll yeah, be nice it goes to back have... to the jersey thing, right? If you get involved with yeah. something and you should have some repercussions Right. Yeah, I mean, it's going to change how those fleets work as well. It's going to force us to to readapt how we're how we're doing those fights if we want to put links in them. But at the same time, I mean, there are other ways of. I mean, these guys with the reps, I'm sure they can adapt and come up with a way of burst repping fast enough to to save a freighter from an initial gank if they really wanted to. Not to yeah, say yeah. have to, but you know we constantly have to deal with changes in this game and adapt to them. You're right. Yeah, and I, you know, well, those of you that listen to the show, uh, I put gankers. Uh, you know, they're one of the very few that I put them actually below wormholers. So that gives you an idea of how I feel about them. <laughs> oh, oh God! Right, let's uh... run, my dear. <laughs> run, my dear. So There's I would I would like change. to note I would like to note on this on this uh, uh, concording um, neutral logistics specifically that is something that five years ago I put in my CSM campaign post 
five years ago, and I've been campaigning on something like this for that entire and also, time. If I'm not mistaken, you were campaigning on the last change that we have to mention, which is War Headquarters. That's an idea which, if not you created, you certainly have been voicing throughout your CSM. Is it five or six years that you've been CSM campaigning? Um, Can I announce it here? Sure. I'll I'll announce it here. This will be six. This will be (laughs) six. You want to see Command Rays hit hit CSM or set the world record for six times failing at it this is the year this is the year guys i think that's awesome i think you should if if you fail try 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 again (laughs) yeah so i'm number seven is lucky though so you might have another one (laughs) someone's brought up in twitch chat an interesting point there i'd say um how will how will this change with the uh, boosts effect orcas and porpoises in high sec. So because they aren't engaged in combat, it wouldn't matter. So unless yeah, the miners theory, decide to start shooting each other. In theory, if you oh. just yanked one barge, you could wipe out the orca with Concord? Well, no. So the Lynx pilots don't get Concord Oakened. That was when I initially said it, links. I misspoke. You just don't get Lynx. Yeah. So okay. if you are a pilot in a fleet with the orca, if you're that Hulk, and you have a capsule log-off timer, when that link cycles, at least the way it's worded in the dev blog, it appears that when that link cycles the next time, you won't get links. It's ambiguous. It does not state if the link effect that you currently have from the previous cycle before you got your capsule log-off timer, those links still may be in effect. The dev blog doesn't state with any sort of clarification on Mm -hmm. that. But certainly, if you have a capsule log-off timer, next time the link cycles, you just won't get links. Nothing happens to the link pilot themselves. Okay, this is an interesting. It's a good point to bring up because that is an interesting question. Well, let's let's dive into the final change. Commander A's, you've been campaigning for this. Do you want to quickly walk us through what is the change and is it similar to exactly the same or different from what you have been recommending? So it's very, very similar to something I've been talking about for years. And from a defending from a defender's standpoint, who's gone against all of the different groups and every single one of them freaking docks up every time. It's the most annoying thing because you can't do anything to end the war. Now that's changed. And this is where things get exciting for people who actually want to go and fight back. Um, if your opponent decides to dock up, you can go knock out a known structure that they have to list at the beginning of the war that has to be somewhere in the high sec. So it's somewhere that you, you, know based on the UI that they're changing as well where it is, what structure it is, what system it is and everything about it. You're going to be able to go to it and tear it down. And if you destroy that structure, the war ends. And it gives something for the defense to do other than roll over and wait for a week for the for the aggressors to leave you alone. Yeah, which so was the in, current In addition in addition to that, you're also getting two weeks of they can't war deck you again. So if you kill their structure, they can't just select another one or put up a new one and then declare war again. You are, mm-hmm. uh, what's the exact term CCP uses? So just say the attackers cannot declare war against you for two weeks. So that is a big deal. So question mm-hmm. in chat is, 
Does the only the aggressor has to declare this headquarters, or does the defender only also? the yeah. aggressor has to declare a headquarters? Okay, so if you're gonna so, man up and aggress, you yep. better you have to have something to put up and says this is my stake. Yep. So this, putting this, this in the context, you, if you can destroy this, we can't continue the war against you, and and you get a two week reprieve from the war. Now at the same is, time, the aggressors can attack anything you own at any time for the duration of the war deck. So, you know, maybe they generate a timer and keep the war going, and in the second or third week of the war, you finally kill their structure, you can end the aggression. But, you know, it's going to come down to actual fights, and it's going to promote both sides getting into space, whether, whether it's, you know, hey, I'm tired of these guys screwing with us, let's go kill their structure, if we win the fight, we win, if we don't, Oh well, at least people are getting into space and actually fighting, and that's the important part. Yeah, there really are have very few things uh, in Eve that bring me as much joy as watching elite high sec PVPers uh, mm-hmm. eat dirt. And you know, if you're following <laughs> along, uh, I put them just below gankers. And <laughs> wow, the Ron, my, the yeah. Ron, my dear scale, I, still yeah. above wormholers, right? <laughs> Well, no, below wormholers, right? Because it's it's wormholers, then gankers, then elite high sec PVPers. That's right. Because you know what what they do, you know, is they they war deck these huge alliances, and then they sit in their little holes, like little you know moles, and you know only pop out when they see like a little random freighter from some you know person who's not flying very well, or some new person, or isn't aware of it, you know. Adios, muchachos. You know, get with the program. If you're going to have a war, you have a headquarters. And we can kill it, and then that's that. I hate to say this, but it it sounds to me like you're getting angry over your stupid members dying because they're stupid. And frankly, I'm a fan of them dying because they're stupid. (laughs) You know what? I'm actually going to erase that because I like you. And I'm going to forget you said that. <laughs> yeah. No, Ron, my dear, is just a white knight. He, he cares about the experience of a new bro or somebody that's not quite sure how the mechanics work, and then they get wiped out and leave or get, you know, yeah. I get well, it. He's a fan of this now, but let's think about this in the context of the perimeter trade hub fight, right? Because is Tranquility trading whatever? Are they part of test lines? Please ignore Can test yeah. use the Keep Star as their HQ? They can indeed. Okay, but Perimeter Police Department is not. So if Perimeter Police Department wants to declare a war against any I Choose You structure, Horde can declare war against Perimeter Police Department, destroy their HQ, and that war goes away. Yeah, yeah and, I mean, if uh, Horde are that concerned about 30 or 40 alphas, we they have a bigger problem than we thought. <laughs> and that's why we're looking for a little baby keep star. Uh, that we're going to put right next to it. We actually already have this sorted. I got it sorted with Progrod last night, so it's already in, in the pipes. The only problem Perfect. is, is no. we have getting the damn thing in the PPD. So, you know. But yeah, we're, we're ahead of the game on that one, thankfully. And we, we debated actually sticking it in the high-sec island, just to be dicks. Because <laughs> we knew Horde's never flying out that far. <laughs> So, I mean, if you put a keep being that I've gone against ISEC war deckers for so long, I'm waiting for these changes to come into effect just so that the first war deck that hits Bastion 
I can roll on that key on whatever structure they decide to put up wherever it is and blow it off the face of the fucking planet. Yeah, I, 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 it's going to be game time. There, there's also going to it's also going to be an answer for the small guys that want to hire someone to to shut down a war. So mm-hmm. you, Bastion might get hired to kill um, pirates' structure. And imagine shutting down all of pirates' wars. It's just such a beautiful thought. Yeah, I like it. It's a mm-hmm. way to like to definitely strike back and like you can get involved in a lot of their wars, right? Find out where the headquarters are and hire somebody to kill it for other wars just to be like I'm tired. Isn't it of you one headquarter one headquarter for all wars? Is it one headquarter one for all wars? It's it's not for all wars. The headquarter oh. can be different for different wars. So yeah, pirates say, could just man. launch a hundred Raitaru somewhere and then just choose one for each individual war. Mm. But that's a lot of Raitarus that could be killed if you declare war on pirates. So it's it's a thing to be interested in, and certainly from the mercenary point of view. I, despite the fact that I am no longer a member of a mercenary corporation, mostly because they kind of don't exist right now, I am a huge fan of this. Like, if they're continue, my main concern is high sec war deck corps are just going to go away. Like that play style is not going to be viable, at least if you intend to pick on the big dogs. Um, but for the smaller organizations, maybe there is some leeway in there where high sec war deckers can go in and try and get the juicy industrialists and declare war on them and maybe they will be willing to hire mercenaries. I'm excited for that. But I mean I don't think I don't think high sec war deckers are going to go away. I think they've lost their stones recently um because it's gotten a lot riskier for them. Um especially you know they have to have assets and space which can be attacked. And yeah you can stash them away. I mean one of PPD's structures is in DTAC P. And that's what we use to war deck. It's I flipping mean, as safe as it can be. Pirate, um, pirates are associated with war uh, with uh, wormholers, so they probably just have a structure in their wormhole. Well, there's yeah, the problem. Other, like, it's, that's right off the bat. Quick, a quick clarification before we go too far down this thread: the war HQ must be in high sec. Mm-hmm. Yes. So when yes. these changes go through, it yeah. must be in high sec. Just for anybody listening who may be hearing what we're currently discussing and confusing the two: war eligibility, your structure can be anywhere. But a war HQ must be in high sec. Yep. Guys, I'm and, gonna have and we're maintaining on. rules from before. So, like, if you lose, if you have a, if you have a structure anywhere, you're vulnerable. If if you don't have a structure in high sec to declare a war and call your HQ, that's it. Uh, you can't you can't do it. So now you have to place one someplace that people are gonna know, and that's. I'm happy. I choose you. Did I hear you say you're gonna have to peace out on us? Yeah, as I told you at the beginning, I kind of have a, a 9 p.m. deadline to, I have to do stuff. Right on. Well, thanks for sticking with us. We appreciate your insights on the previous topics. Thanks for having me. Can't wait me. to see you in local, buddy. Talk to you yeah, soon. Yeah, I, I don't love it often. <laughs> <laughs> or you don't see me on the the same accounts necessarily. I'll see uh, you no, around. never. <laughs> see, see you, buddy. I, know, I just look for whichever is the most recent shack that dies. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so I think all of this stuff is great, man. I, I think all of these changes are wonderful. Um, you know, one of the interesting mechanics, you know, about the, the, the headquarters, you know, is obviously, you know, where test war headquarters is going to be. But little guys that want to fight uh, someone else and they don't want to put up a headquarters, they hire someone to war deck that person and then that corporation or alliance just has them assist you know what i mean so 
it kind of leverages. I don't think it works. Yeah, you, you can't, can't do you an can't aggression that way. Yeah. yeah, you can't offensively assist. I mean, the, the, for, for the high sec mercs, there are things, it doesn't really change anything to them, because let's be honest, no one except yeah. maybe Test or one of the you know, other big powerhouses of the game, unless one of us gets bored and goes to kill uh, Pirates HQ, nobody else is going to bother, I don't think. Um, for all the little corporations and all those little wars that go on that we don't hear about, I think that'll make things a bit more interesting for them. It certainly gives them a sense of, yes, we won this war, we killed their headquarters. And so you might actually see smaller groups now having little wars between themselves over, um, you know, things like uh, Athenors and Tataras. And I know there's, there's wee squabbles every so often over high-sec mining space. And Radimir, as one of, um, you know, Tess' head high-sec FCs, that uh, completely reminded me, uh, you you're going to be killing uh, the pirate headquarters on day one. So, you know, good luck with that. Uh, I'll uh, remind Are we? you later. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? No. Oh, yeah. We're going on a, a rampage, man, on all these war. Di- Did I tell you? Pirates don't rampage? have a war with us. Well, we'll figure that out later. <laughs> They're below. <laughs> They're below gankers. I mean, come on, baby. We're, we're going to kill them. I heard her friend something. <laughs> well, there's a level below gankers just to get in on this. Like, <laughs> it's gonna be fun, you know. And that's what it's about, man. Like, I like I love this kind of mechanics. Like, you know, it's just give us more content. Let us kill the pirate peeps. Let us kill. Uh, what was that one? Armed or no? Uh, serious and dangerous and serious. You remember that one? Oh God. Oh, get rid of all of them. Let's go. <laughs> One thing, a, a slight benefit, if I recall correctly, for coming in these April changes for high sec war deckers is a change to the way that war costs happen. So up until April, it will be that the cost of the war depends on the number of people in whoever you're declaring war on. Now it's just going to be a flat cost of 100 million isk per week, as opposed to a complicated for, formula, which could get up to, was 500 mil the cap? Yeah. Does anyone remember? Yeah, yeah, five hundred mil was the cap before, and now it's just a flat one hundred, which makes life easy for anybody who's mass decking because they're like, okay, if I want to mass deck, you know, a hundred groups, here's my cost. Um, you know. Yeah. But I mean, at the same that's time, interesting. You know, the as they say, the average cost of the war of wars was around that anyways, so it's really going to end up being the same amount of money out anyway. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I think it actually may be. Was... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I think it actually may be more for Pirate and Co. Because if you think about it, the majority of their wars are against smaller groups, right? If you, if they're randomly decking people, then if you randomly choose a corporation, in all likelihood, they're going to be small enough where your cost is under a hundred mil. It's just the few large groups that they get where it's five hundred mil is raising that average up. So I think their costs may actually yeah. increase with this change. They they I'm will sorry, Go ahead. vehemently argue against that and say they you know predominantly target the large groups. But having been a small high sec group that's been war decked by them, you can check my corpse history. We've been individually war decked by them at least ten times. Yeah, no, that's yeah. I don't, I don't think their credibility is... lied with me for making that argument. But yeah. I don't think the cost will affect them much. You know, when they're declaring the likes of tests and stuff like that, that's, that sends their, their bill way up. 
And I say, I was saying we actually, because of the cost, not that it was a problem for us, but just because we felt like Horde should pay the bill for a while, we dropped our war for them to force them to pay for it for a while. But um, someone was sneaky and just moved a war target corp into their alliance and <laughs> flipped that round on us again. The joys of high psych mechanics. Some other <sighs> things that are changing, uh, mutual wars and war UI improvements. So the war UI is getting better. Fantastic. I'm glad CCP is continuing to improve that. And all UI in general, they've been they've been doing a lot. The little things, CCP Karka, Karker, pardon me, the real MVP there. But uh, mutual wars are changing. Basically, you don't have to have a structure deployed in order to make a mutual war happen. They're going to be automatically removed after 90 days if no kills happen. It's just making things easier for people who just want to shoot each other in high sec and not have to worry about it. Yeah, there's so there's a number of these UI changes that are actually really significant. Because the old UI for this, uh, if you only read the notifications that you got during a war, you didn't really understand what was going on. Like, X group has declared war on you. And, you know, you'd assume, hey, legal combat starts immediately, right? Nope. 24 hours. You gotta open it and read it. Or uh, the notification that the war is ending. Concord has invalidated the war from whatever group. Now, if you were just clearing your notifications, it's been 20 hours since the notification, screw it. I'm going to go take my freighter to, to Mar. I'm safe, right? Now, you still got four hours and you just got dunked. And then they're going to redeck you because you just paid for the war again. So, yeah. Spoon so, Avenger yeah. brings up a good point in Twitch chat. And he's talking about there's three corps with over 800 mutual wars. And when we talked to Fozzie, um, what was it last week or week before? You know, he said that the 90 days without a kill, a lot of that is cleanup. That's maintenance from all of these wars um, that have just been sitting around for years. And that's just a way to get rid of clean house on all these old wars that have just been sitting around. Yeah. I think that's fair. Like, I mean, if you haven't killed anyone in 90 days, I'm pretty sure the war's over at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, one, of the, one of the big things there is, of course, you've got groups that just stop playing, and earlier we talked about the cost of wars, but mutual wars don't have a cost. It's two groups that are mutually fighting each other indefinitely for no additional cost. Uh, so groups like Red versus Blue, you know, hey, more power to you. Fight each other for as long as you want doesn't cost you a penny. You know, if two groups go completely AFK for 10 years, they could potentially have the same war still ongoing. You know, it's, yeah. Any final thoughts going back to the other changes, be it the neutral assistance or war headquarters? Anything we didn't touch on? Genius. I like the war headquarters, but more than anything else, I like the fact that we're actually making progress. Like, Commander A's, I know that you've been putting this in CSM, and even when I ran my campaign, I... I did you run a Discord right on high deck war mechanics? I joined that. It was all a great discussion. So it's finally the yep the war deck project, which has lit that was you, literally right? on fire. Uh, that's so it's actually run by Toxic Yakin, uh, but uh, I've been an active proponent of that group for a significant amount of time. Uh, I do want to thank uh, a large portion of the CSM that has been in there. Um, CCP Falcon as well has been in there and coordinated pulling a lot of the statistics that they used to justify making changes. So uh, we gave them kind of a, a bullseye to look at. 
uh, of who was using the most amount of wars now and in the past. Uh, you know, I'm sure they could have gotten that from some basic number crunching, but we made it a little easier for them. Uh, and I mean, the group has generated a ton of different documents on different ideas, uh, all of which I'm sure are not original. You know, we've been talking about war deck changes for 16 years since the game came out. You know, nobody was happy with, with the initial set of war. Uh, I forget exactly when wars were added in, but nobody was happy then. They weren't happy, you know, anywhere in the meantime. And then now I'm sure there's going to be people that are like, this didn't go far enough. Or people that were like, I hate this. This is stupid. Sure. Um, and there's always going to be that with any iterative process, right? Yeah. We have to put things in, test the balance. And, you know, the CCP has been traditionally pretty good at that, right? There have been some changes that go in and they roll them back out if it's really broken or they let it run for a few months and make iterative changes. I think that's going to be that same sort of process here. So I think the message mm -hmm. is people should just bear with it, adjust, realize that it might be in for some time to allow all the people to adjust, try to game it, try to break it before there's sudden changes. So... Mm -hmm. 501 is quote, great news. Uh, I want to quote CCP Burger on his quote on testing war decks. We have tested doing nothing for long enough. So it's time to, to make some changes and you know, especially looking at a lot of the data that the CSM saw that the rest of us haven't been able to see around player retention and wars. This is really going the correct direction to help rebuild the community keep people in the game for longer and hopefully have them eventually move out to other areas of space. So like a lot of people will go, you know, well, this isn't, this isn't for wormholes. This isn't for, this isn't for low sec. This isn't for null. Why would we want these changes? A healthy high sec and a healthy new player experience, a healthy ability to grow corporations is vital to this game in growing every other security area because more people is in every way better for this game you know without a plan one thing good that is one thing that i'm particularly interested in back before we had the first changes in december we had the csm summit minutes and what was explicitly mentioned in the minutes was that ccp wanted to make changes to wordex particularly the balance teams did but or the dev teams pardon me but they were waiting on direction from CCP management, from CCP leadership on what was the purpose of Wordex. What were their particular design goals? That they, what were the things they wanted to get out of Wordex? They're waiting for CCP leadership to determine that so they could then decide, okay, what changes do we want to make to achieve those goals? Now we're seeing the changes happen, not just the one we saw in December, which was a stopgap measure, but the actual, this is what we want Wordex to look like in the future. And so I'm curious, what were those design principles? What are the goals which CCP leadership has put in place for what they want to get out of high-sec Wordex? That's something that I'm extremely curious about and would love to see in the future. But If you I, know, if I had to guess, good. if I had to guess, I would go they're aiming for, um, I'm going to call it an apex battle, but the high-sec equivalent of an apex battle. You know, the structures with timers let's all show up at this time we'll blow it up it'll be a grand party with offense and defense that seems to be what they're going for i'm all about protecting that new bro experience you know like 
Um, you know, and here, uh, without a plan, mentioned it, you know, in Twitch chat, you know, about people can't compete with war deck crews and, you know, and they'll quit the game or they'll do something else. You know, why play a game where you're just going to get harassed or something? So, you know, I I'm think a fan that of that. To counter that argument, the reason that I play this game is because you're constantly harassed. The reason I started this game is because it's supposed to be a, a cold, harsh universe that's going away. Not sure if I like that. As far as the whole, well, you're going to quit the game if you get a war deck corp that war decks you can't handle it. Like the first war deck my little high sec mining corp ever got was by a two man corp, and only one of those dudes ever showed up on field, and he flew a Varger back when Vargers didn't have Bastion, but they had ninety percent webs. So we're like, ooh. Let's everybody grab the biggest ships you had. We had one Megathron. I was flying an Executor. We had dudes out there in random tackle frigs. Just whatever we could get together to try and kill this guy and his Varger. And then suddenly Orcas fly on grid. Neutralogy fly on grid. We lose everything. But we didn't quit the game. We're like, oh, snap. Okay, now we know the game we're playing. Now we can adjust what we're doing to fight this or just avoid this one dude and his Varger. So I think that... I can understand the sentiment of trying to protect people from being harassed out of game, but I don't think we should go too far in that protection like to prevent them from being attacked at all. Because I want you to be a cold, harsh universe. You need to be able to be attacked. Anytime you undock, you are consenting to PvP. I, I think that's something that we can't get car too carried away with with these changes and with our recommendation to prevent new players it, it's a core you know, part of eve it's yeah. a core part of this universe I, i'm i'm with you um but you know i would say that you know this type of thing you know you aren't the target right you're a lifer you're in like we've already got you brother you ain't going nowhere <laughs> we're looking we're putting out flyers for new people <laughs> <laughs> to come you know and that's what this is about but we want we just want more people you know i so so yeah i'm with you on that like yeah i, I think i think there's a big difference because the, the situation you described there is a is not harassment that's there's a big big difference between a corp which is constantly it's like constantly taking candy from a baby and that baby having zero way to fight back or end the war whatsoever you know I think their need. I think the HQs are great because they provide a way to end the war for a defender. They might struggle to do it, but they can call help in to get it, and they can adapt and learn how to, how to get to that stage. But so, at present, there's no way for them to stop it. Yeah. So, in broadcast, I linked this. This is my old baby of an alliance, uh, Lin Kuei, and when we lived in high sec, our objective was to build up a whole bunch of new players and grow to the point where we could effectively move and make a go at it. We were, Towards the end of the Alliance, we were war decked for about a month and a half straight, and every time that we went to go aggress the people who were aggressing us in T1 Maulers and T1 Logistics, they, docked. We consistent, they consistently docked up. And I mean, you're talking about guys in T3 Proteuses with slave sets, T2 Logi, the whole works. We knew we were going to get dumpstered, but no, they thought it was a trap. So, you know, oh no, we can't possibly take on the little guy. Well, what are we supposed to do? You know, we're, we were a, a high-sec industrial group. You know, there's no, there's no counterplay in that. In, so this, this, is, like, this is why I'm so excited about this, because I had a 300-man group 
ready to go, ready to fight, but they had nothing, no available content. And I mean, like, you know, you can pull up every single war there, and we don't really lose much of anything. There's no reason to war deck us, you know. But hey, apart from you know, you're a 300-man group, that's 300 yeah, or a th- potential yeah, targets. 300 targets, you know. I mean, yeah, Despite the just... fact that it's a newbie-friendly group that was literally recruiting out of local and the rookie systems. I mean, I mean, Test, for example, could rock up on Marmite with, you know, well, or Guns or whoever with, you know, three or four 250-man fleets. But if your target's going to dock up, you're never going to convince them to end the war because they'll undock and pick off that one guy who flies past randomly someday. Exactly. And that's all, that's all they're oh. going for. They're not in it for these large fights. They're in it for this, you know, one-off elite PvP when everything is in their favor. And, you know, they minimize the opportunity for a trap. They've got the neutral logistics in place. They've got the neutral boosts in place. They've got everything going for them that you don't expect. And as a new player, you're not going to know about any of these things. You're not going to know that, what is this Guardian doing here? Why is, you know, why is he just chilling on this gate with the enemy? You don't know. Yeah, Marmite Collective was the other one I was trying to think of. I'm excited. They have currently they have 130 active wars. I'm excited to see what um, direction they take. Uh, will they go, you know, into the dumpster, uh, or will they go into, you know, the recycling bin? I mean, you know what? It's either way. We don't know yet. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that'll do us for this week's episode. I like to once again. It's a it's a freaking long episode. This one's an almost an hour and a half long now. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks to our co-hosts, Ron and Silver. Also, shout out to our guests. We had Commander A's, Radomir, I pronounced it wrong, right, correctly this time. And I choose you to bail out early. Ron, my dear. Radomir, do you have any shout outs for us? Just a shout out to those guys and like... People don't realize the amount of work that's gone in behind the scenes for PPD. Um, there's some guys in there, Bambuco is one of them, for example, who scan systems relentlessly for structures so we can get war decks out and generate these fights. I know there's high sec people who've been watching them, who've been making money off of stealing our loot from our Asbels and, and, and just salvaging battlefields. And it's great to see just the, the phenomenal amount of people turning out to watch these fights who previously couldn't see anything this size this um this size before um and so the guys who put all that backbreaking work in to get us these fights like thank you so much commander is uh, i want to give a shout out to my alliance my corporation people who formerly flew with me in link um i know dredged up some terrible memories there um and uh uh you know a shout out to uh, keep your eye out for a commander race for CSM 15. And, and just to stay with, you know, election laws, uh, since we had commander A's on, uh, we'll offer three minutes uh, to any other CSM candidate that uh, wants to come on. Uh, no uh, gankers, uh, no war deckers, no wormholers. Everyone else, please submit your application. We'll take care of you. <laughs> Slight addendum to that. If you are a ganker, a war decker, a wormholer, you can come on. That's fine. We'll just kick Ron off for those three minutes. Silver, do you have a shout out for us? Uh, just to our guests, man. I think uh, you know this is a really great topic to bring up, and uh, I appreciate all your expertise and your work that's gone into getting CCP to take action. And I think you should be proud that, uh, although it took a little bit longer than you'd like, 
uh, Team 5.0 on it is really impressive, and I think we should see good things in the space. Ron, you have to give a shout-out. This is a positive thing. Okay, you can't can't be angry at people here. What's your shout-out? Um, you know, I want to give a shout-out to Ron. Um, you know, Ron was a pure gentleman today. He He was looking, you know, right into the eyes of his arch enemy and he conducted himself appropriately so way to go ron i've actually got okay. one more team 5-0 at ccp thank you from the bottom of my heart and probably from the majority of high sec for tackling this just straight up cancer that has been high sec uh wardex for so long like straight up thank you all right, and my shout-out goes to Matterall for doing a bunch of stuff behind the scenes, which nobody can really see, but it's going to be cool as it changes in the near future. He's also been doing some work with our Discord. If you're not in that, there's a link somewhere you can find, but join the TIS Discord. A lot of interesting discussion happens there. We're also chatting in voice quite often, but he's recently been doing some changes there that if you're currently a member, check him out new channels, adjusted channels. It'll be a bit confusing, but it'll be better in the end. And there's also some stuff coming in the pipeline that'll be really freaking cool, and I'm excited about it. So shout out to Matterall for taking the lead on all of that, Chaz. And that'll do it for Season 1, Episode 17 of the Talking Stations Movie Podcast. You can see us again next Thursday, same time, same place. And also don't forget about the Sunday show happening on Sunday at 1600 Eve time. All right, that'll do it.